Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast where we hear from mothers who are artists and creators, sharing their joys and issues around trying to be a mother and continue to make art. Regular topics include mum guilt, identity, the day-to-day juggle, mental health and how children manifest in their art. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. I have a passion for mental wellness and a background in early childhood education. You can find links to my guests and topics they discuss in the show notes, along with music played, a link to follow the podcast on Instagram and how to get in touch. All music used on the podcast is done so with permission. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Bowendick people as the traditional custodians of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on and pays respects to the relationship the traditional owners have with the land and water, as well as acknowledging past, present and emerging elders. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Rosie Rutherford. Rosie plays the clarinet. She's a composer, a freelance musician and an educator from Derby in the British Midlands in the UK and a mum of three children. Rosie grew up in a very musical household with her father and sisters all playing instruments and she started on the keyboard at age five, piano age six and clarinet at age eight after there were no flutes available at her school. Rosie studied at the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire playing in the folk ensemble and she later met her husband Jamie who also attended the same conservatoire. She formed a trio with Jamie on guitar Ning Ning Lee on the violin, and herself, called Threaded. They are at their core a folk band, but take their influences from all types of music. They've released three albums, Of What We Spoke in 2016, Fair Winds and Following Seas in 2017, and When the Raven Comes Calling in 2019. Accessible Theatre's performance of Soon Child in 2018 and went on a live theatre tour throughout the UK with the show before COVID hit. In the past months they have been involved with another show with Red Earth Theatre called The Red Tree which came out virtually in January 2022. They've also created five music videos incorporating sign song for the deaf community which you can find through the links in the show notes if you're interested in watching. Rosie also runs Teeny Tempos, a parent and baby toddler music group based in Derby. I hope you enjoy our chat. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always great. nice to have a have a good natter, isn't it, about all things mum. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's so enjoyable. Whereabouts are you? What what town are you in? Derby. Yeah. So in the East Midlands. Oh, very good. Yeah. So um you mentioned it's very misty and you know, a bit sort of Sunday morning-ish there. Um, what what sort yeah. of what's the weather like there? Is it cold and you know? horrible winter yeah. or what's what's going on there <laughs> it is it's absolutely freezing it was funny during um over new year it was actually fairly warm I think it's like one of the most warmest new years on records and I was like oh this will be all right uh, I can cope with this and then last week it was just like oh. <laughs> it's absolutely freezing and icy and yeah. um yeah yeah I'm not I don't, I don't mind the cold. I like cold if it's crisp. You know, if you've got the nice bright sunshine. Yeah. But it's just so misty and you're driving and you're like, oh, mm. I can't actually see anything, two cars in front of me. And I think the problem with weather here is it's just, it changes so fast. So yeah. you can't ever, you know, cold is absolutely fine and snow is fine and hot sun is fine. I think it just always takes your body a while to acclimatise to it. So if when it just happens really fast, you just feel out of sorts all the time. You're just like, I don't yeah. know where I am. I don't know yes. What's going on? It's like you're always <laughs> catching up with what's going on, and then it changes again, and then you've got to change. That's it. Yeah. Well, today here it's been what thirty, probably got up to thirty-two today. 
yourself yes aren't you yeah okay. yeah yeah so not yeah. beautiful um, summer's day here it's been beautiful like I've oh sorry I shouldn't say that should I? <laughs> it's all right I could just pretend <laughs> so jealous right now <laughs> oh gosh although I said the other day I spoke to a lady who was in um Canada and she had snow and I was like so jealous because I've never skied I've, I've looked at I've seen snow and I've touched it but I've never actually been to the snow so I'm like oh my gosh that'd be awesome I close my eyes and sleep comes in I go to the same old place I can feel your breath across my chin softness of your face all right so tell me about your music I've discovered you as a I've got to say that white thing that you're playing that looks like a storm tree for wind instrument it's like the coolest thing ever can you tell us about what what you play the proper names of things not like the stormtrooper instrument yeah yeah no so I'm a I'm a clarinetist um is my is my um my main thing um and so I play clarinet and bass clarinet um but I also play all the woodwinds as um as a peripatetic music teacher and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um the stormtrooper instrument which is it's called an, an electronic wind instrument um which for a project that I'm working on at the moment has to try and get my fingers around it so we can use it to um because it's it uses midi so it can input into the computer so it's the same fingerings as the saxophone um it's just like electronic saxophone but but it has like the same functions as a keyboard so you can you can have all these different um all these different sounds so it's proper novelty yeah (laughs) so i've just been like having well when I get a minute just having a little go and finding all the different different cool sounding things that I can uh, I can I can play yeah so it's cool but it's really it's really crazy instrument it's really strange (laughs) I've been enjoying watching your little Instagram um little posts you put up when you're finding all the different settings and this one sounds like like you're being sucked through a vortex or something else (laughs) sounds like bass it's it's so cool it's so weird it's It's so weird it is. And I thought, because I got it literally at the start of December, it just landed on my mat. And I was like, right, so I'll try and be festive. If I try and do a different Christmas carol every single day on it, then it, um, it gives me a chance to like play it every day. But it's very, I don't have to commit much time to it because that's always the problem, isn't it? Like is you want to do something every day, but actually finding the time to commit that. And I was like a Christmas carol, I can probably do. I still didn't manage every day, but I managed most days. Um, I think I've got through a lot of the cool settings. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's good fun. It's like an yeah. adventure, discovering what, what all the buttons do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So how did you get into music? Have you always been musical? Did you grow up in a musical household? Yeah, I think so. So my dad plays, um, he's a a blues man. So he's a blues guitarist and harmonica player. But actually when I was a child, he didn't, he played a bit of guitar, but he didn't kind of gig or anything like that. So I think we just, we just always got into music. And me and I've got two sisters and we're always quite musical. Um, and yeah, so I think I started playing the, I think I started on the keyboard when I was about five and then did piano at six. And then I picked up the clarinet when I was eight. Yeah, right. Do you remember why yeah. you went to the clarinet? Was there a sort of something that drew you to that? <laughs> It's one of those, uh, th- this is one of those questions that it's like, so um, so I wanted to play the flute, but they didn't have any in school. So I went clarinet instead. <laughs> so oh, my whole cool. life, my whole livelihood has been 
Structured around, well, my second choice. <laughs> but that's fine. I'm, no, I'm so glad. I'm actually so glad because uh, the clarinet is like, I just absolutely love it. And it's so me. So it was meant to be. There was meant to be no flutes left. That was always meant to happen. Yeah, found, found the clarinet. Have you ever gone back and tried to play the flute? Has that ever been something you've tried? Yeah, so I do I do now. Yeah. Not not like not that well. But um as it, you know, but I can play it well enough to double on it and um and teach. Um so I teach I can teach it. So um yeah, so I do play it and it is really nice as well, but it's it it isn't a clarinet, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things work out, isn't it? It so, is, it is. So how it many is. other how many other instruments do you play? Um, well, mainly, um, so clarinet and bass clarinet, kind of my main things. And then I play a bit of flute, play, play sax, and I was trying to get into the whistle. Oh. So I absolutely love, yeah, I love the Irish whistle. Um, yep. So I'm a big, big folk lover. So yep. during the lockdown, I was trying to get a little bit better at that. Um, and But it's like everything. Once you start delving in a little bit, it just becomes it's just a minefield and there's and then you want to be able to do everything amazingly don't you and you're like well if I'm gonna say that I'm doing this then I have to be able to do this um but it's just a complete like it's just a whole lifetime of musical knowledge to fit into learning a new thing so um it's work in progress involved in a trio called threaded tell me about yeah. that so threaded is um it's i guess it's like my little baby in terms of um musical stuff so it's me my husband jamie on guitar and then uh our friend um ning ning who plays violin and we got together um we all studied at uh Birmingham Conservatoire or Royal Birmingham Conservatoire as it is now um so and they're all and we all did um classical music degrees mm -hmm. um performance degrees on our instruments um and we played in a big massive folk group there called Joe Broughton's Conservatoire Folk Ensemble which is amazing it's I mean it, it differs in numbers but it's around 60 people oh, wow. um and, you know, and we do the festival circuit and everything and it's just all like it's amazing yeah. You should absolutely check, check out um check out conservative folk ensemble it's great and it's still going and every year because it's it's used um the people that are in conservatoire um then the personnel changes kind of sometimes yearly sometimes kind of every four years but um it's it's grown over the past kind of 20 odd years so it's it's brilliant and we and we we played there and that kind of spot I've always loved folk music um because like, like I said my dad's been a blues man and, and he he and my mum have always been into folk music so always grew, grown up around it yeah. but funnily being a clarinetist yeah. I kind of thought oh, I can't play folk music as a kid you know because I was it's such a classical well, I think it's either a classical or a jazz journey that you take with an instrument like the clarinet, because you think, oh, the clarinet. So, and because of the teachers and the area they live and the, I guess the the pathways that are open to you to start studying, it was straight classical mm -hmm. is, is the path that that I took. Um, and so you kind of think, oh, you know, I can't really play folk music on the clarinet. It's not a folk instrument. So although I loved it, um, I didn't really do much on it until I got to college. And then, cause we had the folk ensemble and I was like, oh, this is great. So learn to do some tunes and, and things. And then, um, and obviously when you start then exposing yourself to this new world of all this brilliant music, you kind of think, well, folk music actually like it's the music of the people it's our music this is what and I love play I love it and um so me and Jamie and Nings because we love playing together anyway we just thought we, we're going to create our own group and and we're just going to play our own music so the great thing about threaded is that it's all devised um we generally one of us will bring a tune or a song and then we just get together 
we turn it into a piece and um and it's all original stuff so it it's it, so it's really beautiful like it's beautiful for us because you know it ticks that creative box because you just go in and you've got this outlet and it's a safe place as well because we're all you know we're all on the same page so it's it's nice and easy so um yeah, I feel really, really lucky to kind of have that place to just be creative with people that you can bounce off so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where it came from. So we, it, we're like, we're not really focused. We don't really know what we are, to be honest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like we're, we're developing, I guess it's developing all the time, but kind of started with like folk influence, but it's definitely like we take influences and inspiration from everywhere and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it must feel good too. Like I've got two things I want to ask you, just from what you said. But the first thing I'll ask, like, it to have, like you said, how it's a safe space. Like you can go there with your ideas and not feel like judged. You can play the thing you want to play and not feel like everyone's going to go, "Oh, that's no good." You know, you feel like yeah, you, yeah. you have that trust with each other that you can play something and not feel scared or you know, yeah. Um, I don't know what the word is. Oh. I'm trying to think. Intimidated. Intimidated. Yeah, that's the word I'm going yeah. for. Yeah, you feel really good to be able to share stuff and, and be honest with each other. And yeah, that's it. And also, you know that you know that um, whatever you bring will like we. I don't know. It's like because I think we do. I mean, obviously, I play, but um, recently I've been doing a lot more composing and songwriting for various other things as well, not just threaded. But the great thing is that whatever you see whatever we seem to bring we manage to make something work out but even if it's completely different by the end of the session than it is at the start Mm -hmm. but it's like but having everyone's kind of collective voices in there um it just always we we, I think yeah it just feels so easy because like it's it's such a positive experience Mm -hmm. always you know whatever you bring and then you get to the end of it and you're like oh this this has made this really great thing now that's and you feel quite satisfied at the end so it Mm. yeah I feel very lucky to have that place to be able to be creative. Mm, absolutely. Um, I've thought of something else to ask you, but I'll come back to that. So do you guys do, uh, maybe COVID's, you know, been annoying, but do you guys do a lot of live shows with your music or is it mainly recorded stuff that you do? Um, well, pre-pandemic, <laughs> we did loads of live stuff. Um, yeah, so when we first started, and I guess for the first chunk of our time together, it's just kind of, we were just doing lots of like mainly live stuff um so kind of small art centers festival type stuff because I think that's where our music's best suited and then in 2018 we got commissioned to work with a theatre company called Red Earth Theatre who do deaf accessible um performances and so we wrote the score for a show with them and their show Soon Child, which was amazing. So that was kind of our first commission. So and then we did a live theatre tour around the UK with them as on oh, stage. Wow. Musicians and actors. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then it was pandemic hit. So when but in between that, we did three albums as well. So um, I think the first album was out in 2016, I want to say and then 2017 and then 2019 was when we did the the last album which was the music from soon child that we recorded yeah great. Um, yeah and then since then since pandemic obviously we've done a couple of live shows um but we because I mean me and Jamie are married so that's quite easy we can we can work and well I say it's easy it's not easy with having we also have three children but that's another story um <laughs> but we can you know when we've got stuff we can create and write in the evenings but um Nings lives in Birmingham mm-hmm. so it's not too far distance it's about 45 minutes but obviously we were we we're all in lockdown as you guys were mm-hmm. as well I think so we couldn't get together for quite a long time yeah so yeah. um yeah so we've done a little we've, we tried to put a few things together last year just online just kind of over the Instagram to do some stuff but we haven't um so this year we're hoping um that we're going to be able to do a lot more um we did a reason we did um we did something last year which we got some funding for which was turning so off the back of soon child like I said Red Earth Theatre they're a deaf accessible um they do deaf accessible theatre so um so we and what we did with them with our songs is worked 
with Science Song directors and used a lot of Science Song in it. So all of their shows is integrated in BS, BSL, so British Sign Language. Um, and so the actors all sign as well as talk. So then when we did it, when we put the songs in, they, they were all signed. Wow. And off the back of that, we kind of thought, you know, art, like it gives an extra layer to our music, which we'd never had before, like this visual element. And it's beautiful. Sign song is absolutely beautiful because not only is it a language and it's obviously a communication tool, but it's also just like this form of, it's just almost like dance with the performers when they, it's, it's so beautiful. And so that, that um, enhances the music so much actually. And we kind of thought, oh, well, we want to once you've also kind of connected with the deaf community we were like we want to be doing this all the time like the inclusion is just it's just so important so we've started trying to work um and make find ways to make our music more accessible so we've developed like threaded um, which is still going as threaded the three of us but we've kind of got a tangent as well called the threaded collective and with, with that we're doing lots of different projects mm -hmm. um working with other artists so one of them it's going to be the um, deaf accessibility and music and how we can work and develop that and work with um, some deaf performers as doing the sign song with us and things like that. So um, we've hopefully got a couple of festivals in the summer already and we're going to work on developing that. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's kind of all doing this and you're just like, oh, I never expected that this would finish here, but that's where it's going and we're just going to oh, go yeah. with it. Yeah. That's amazing. I've never heard of sign song before. Is that like... How do is that signing to songs that don't have lyrics or like how does it can you explain so to me how it works? Yeah, so I mean I'm no expert, um, but um it's mainly it's it's just um deaf um deaf people's interpretation of the songs, so and how they sign it. So um and therefore, it, the, the beauty of it is that everyone's interpretation might be slightly different. So you can obviously, some will do a literal translation and, but then sometimes obviously songs, songs are really interesting, aren't they? Because obviously a lot of songs are metaphors and, or you use metaphors within the songs or the song is a metaphor for something else um, or it's emotive. So um, when you're, when we're working with them, with the science on performers often it's talking about the context of it what you mean by that line and then they will interpret it i guess like any well it's like any translation is it? if you're translating a book but they'll work on it so the signing that they do isn't necessarily like literal signing it's all trying to create the metaphor so it, it's wow. so it, it's just this whole thing it's just this beautiful performance because it's just everything working together it's just amazing that seems so if you have honor to be able to create music that can become a part of that. Do you know what I mean? It's really, oh, really yeah. good. Absolutely. I'm going to do some Googling when we get off here because that sounds amazing. That's yeah. Just a, whole, a whole new thing I've, I've never known about. Yeah. Wow. And I think, that I think sounds within, so within cool. Yeah. Well, within theatre, um, the accessible theatre is becoming, quite rightly, much bigger here. So there is a lot more access. Um, and I think the UK are really working on it. Um, but in music, sometimes, you know, there's been some performances, there's been some stuff at some festivals. I know Glastonbury, they had a big, big thing. There was a, um, a signer with a rapper, but still it's not, it, we've got so far we need to go, a long way to go. So, um, yeah, it's, we feel like quite strongly it's important. And it's a way that, it, that so many people could quite easily add this access level um, in a beautiful way. Yeah. um and then you know and and it's just and it's just like it's amazing to watch and it, it means you're including so many more people within your performance so it's really Absolutely. good yeah well done that's wonderful i love that <laughs> and the rolling waves roll up your fears and bring you to your knees pull together not far to go What I was going to ask before, um, what's it like working so closely with your husband musically? It's it's actually amazing <laughs> because I think our relationship, it came from being musical together, I think. So um, I think we're, we're often at our best as a couple when we are being creative together. Um, I think we'll probably find that... Um, 
things are more strained when we're not getting the opportunity and it's just home life, do you know what I mean? So um because because yeah, so much of it is um so much of I guess why we love being together is being creative. And I definitely feel like a much better musician with him. Yeah. And I think because that instrumentally, dynamically, because he's a guitarist. So any tune I, I write or any kind of like songs, he he will be like, oh, yeah. and then it kind of makes it like quite quickly being yeah. on that same wavelength. Um, whereas I don't necessarily have the skill to be like, I know exactly how I'm going to accompany this. Jamie will be like, oh, this sounds good. And I'm just like, yes, that is what I was aiming for when I thought of this tune. Um, So yeah, it's actually really nice. Um, But obviously with having the family, it has become a much bigger juggle for us to be able to work together um, in terms of like childcare and and other logistics. So um, at the moment he's working. So the the theatre company, um, Red Earth, which we did Soon Child with, um, me and Jamie are right. I've worked on the music for their next show, which she's currently rehearsing, called The Red Tree, yeah. which is a book by Sean Hannon. It's a beautiful picture book. Um, and so we've written the music together, um, all like the main chunks of music, some of it he'll devise in the process. But originally we were both kind of going to be on it in stage, but then I had my third little baby in August. So um, I haven't been able to to do the tour and that's going to be live streamed at the end of the month so I feel like I feel like a solo parent because <laughs> normally you know, work we juggle around each other and it's like I'll do this day he does this day or this evening and you know work around it whereas because it's every day it's Monday to Saturday for the whole month wow. I'm just like yes I literally have all the admiration for single parents because I did about three days and I was like, oh my God, how do people do this? How yeah. would the school run? I mean, like, oh. I feel like the school run is harder than having a third child. Like, <laughs> having to be in the same place twice a day and get everyone up and ready to get out of the house on time. Yeah, that is just a, that is the kettle of fish. <laughs> oh, dear. So you have three children. How old are you, how old are your older children? So um, my daughter Ruby is four. My son Arlo is three, and then my little baby Louis is four months old. Oh, I love that name, Louis. That's so sweet. <laughs> oh, Did you meet your husband at like in a music capacity? Did you have you only ever known each other through music? Yeah, yeah. So we we studied at the same um, at the same conservatoire, but we didn't know each other while we were studying because mm-hmm. he was a year above me. And guitarists tend to they they keep themselves to themselves. Classical guitarists they'd come in for their their things, whereas obviously as a clarinetist you'd be in the orchestra in the band. So I was in a lot more. So I, I never I didn't really know him. It wasn't until after we'd finished yeah. that through friends and stuff we met each other. Um, so yeah, so it's weird because we went to the same place, but we have completely different you know. But before being together, we just have completely different experiences of being there, which is a bit strange, but, you know. <laughs> that is funny, isn't it? So do you yeah. remember seeing him there? Like, did you ever see him? Did you see each other there at all? Remember? I don't really remember. I, mean, I think I think I did go to one of his projects, his major project, but, I'd, um, but I didn't really know him. <laughs> just went because my friends were going to the people. Um, yeah. yeah, and then. So it was mainly after we'd finished that we got to know each other. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, since you got together, you've always played music together or did it take a bit of time to sort of warm up to the fact that you were going to share this? It was like instant sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty instant, pretty instant. So, um, so yeah, that, that's always been really nice. It's always been something that we've done and we've able to, able to do together. Um, and then it's, you know, and, and then, being able to kind of gig together and stuff 
it's really nice because it's almost like date night yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a date night is just going and doing a gig <laughs> so it's like working day but but it is nice it's like a, a nice experience that feel like we get to share with each other which is really yeah, good absolutely that's lovely so um you talked briefly about how it's a bit tricky with now that you've got the kids with childcare, how how do you you manage it? Have you got some good support around you for the kids? Yeah, yeah, I'm really lucky. So my mum and dad live fairly close, and my sister, um, and Jamie's parents are retired. So they've like when we did the when we did the theatre tour, they kind of came down and stayed for chunks, so we were able to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're only we can only we've only been able to facilitate the work, being able to tour and stuff because we've got like family and friends support. So we are really really lucky. Yeah, yeah, it makes it all the difference, doesn't it? It really does. Like when you said before about people that do it on their own, sole parents. Like I've yeah, I just don't understand how they do it. I'd go out of my brain if I was the only one doing this. <laughs> no, it's, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. These people, oh, absolutely amazing. Absolutely. You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. When you were, I'm interested to ask you this because I'm, I'm a singer, that's my background. Um, when you were pregnant with, the, with each child, did you find it really hard to breathe while you were playing your instrument? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I had, I had different pregnancy experiences, so, and which affected which affected my playing. And I think some of it were more mentally than others, but with um, with Ruby, my first one, I had a really big bleed at 13 weeks and they never knew why. Yeah. So they were kind of like, you know, take it easy. And I'd, ha- I'd got like tours booked. And in the end, I just had to, I, I, could, I didn't play because I was, scared. because you know, like you've had this big bleed and it's all tummy muscles, isn't it? And I was scared to use them because I was like, because they don't know why I've had this. Yeah. And, then so I didn't really play for the first kind of six months and then I got some stuff in and I think I probably felt a little bit more confident to, to kind of feel but I'm, I still never supported properly it's awful yeah. technique I was just playing from here because I was scared to use my dummy and then um, and then with Arlo I think I think I did have some bleeding again but I think it was really early on and then I was kind of fine for playing and stuff so I did quite a lot of work with him and he that was that felt like generally a much easier pregnancy but he was a got pregnant after nine months after having Rube. So I think I was just such in such a sleep deprived state from her because she just didn't sleep until she was about four that I just probably didn't didn't think about. I was just in autopilot. So I think I just kind of worked through a bit more. And then with Lou, it's really similar. I had a, I had a really big bleed at 11 weeks or just before my 12 week scan. Really, really, it was on my birthday actually. I'd had, I'd, we'd ordered a burger. We were in lockdown, but we'd ordered this burger. I was like really excited. And then I just started bleeding and then I had to go to A&E. Um, but, I, but I knew it was a similar thing to Reeves. Like I had that gut feeling like that he, that it was fine. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I knew it was, but it's obviously still terrifying. And then after that, I was a bit like, oh, I'm scared to, I was scared to play again because I was like, I just don't want to put any pressure on you. Don't want to rupture anything. Um, So yeah. And I felt really tired for a lot of that pregnancy. So um, that's when I did a bit more whistle playing because it's just not the same type of, you just don't have to put the same type of like support on and everything. But then, then you don't know whether some of it's just because, you know, it's third time around, your body's just tired. <laughs> it's just like, you're doing this again. Yeah. And, <laughs> and plus you've got the other two that you're actually got to look after as well. Yeah. As that's very oh, yeah. Okay. And in lockdown, because this, you know, you're trying to be so positive and, you know, for the kids, especially. Um, and, but there isn't that much to do either. So you, you know, you, I think you're tired because you're just like, the whole situation is just exhausting, isn't it? The pandemic oh. itself is just so, ex- yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, it just so, it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I always like to ask um, musicians that 
well, that, that are in that area that can relate to that. Yeah. I had a shocking first pregnancy was fine. I don't know why, but the second one, I don't know, he sat up right on my diaphragm. It was ridiculous. I couldn't breathe to save myself. And that was saying no. that I was starting to use up here too much and putting too much strain on my in, on my actual, you know, my voice. And yeah, I, had to, yeah. I had to give up a few gigs because I, I can't actually project anymore. This is, really, you know, there's nothing there. I know. I I know. And the problem it. is you feel, you feel really bad because you did, you know, like you don't want to cancel stuff anyway because, you know, you're pregnant, you absolutely can do it, but you don't know until the time, do you, that actually this... This isn't, and it can change so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louis, I was kind of all right doing bits. And then I got to about seven months and I was like, I, I literally have no space. I can't yeah. do it. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Good on them. day-to-day with the kids now do you basically set time of an evening just to work on your music with your husband yeah generally generally I mean when when we've had commissions like when we were working on the theater stuff we we did block out days to do it and um and the same when we were working on the collective stuff last year um we would we blocked out days um to do it but when we've been in lockdown, obviously we haven't been able to use the child. We ha- we couldn't use the childcare mm. at some point of it. So then it would have to be evenings. Um, so in the summer it's all right because you still feel like you have like evening time. But in the winter it does it does mean that you don't end up getting very much done because <laughs> yeah. you know, time the kids are in bed and it's like half past eight nine o'clock and then you're like right we've got to have dinner and then we've got to try and we've got to try and create so I think yeah. I think it depends on what we're creating for as well like if it's commission stuff mm-hmm. um because there's a brief and it's kind of got to get done you can be a bit more pragmatic about it it's like right well you know if we are doing the evenings we'll commit three or four evenings to it and we will get it done in that time because that's the time whereas if it's our own stuff like if it was just kind of like more stuff we'd take to threaded or um stuff of our, of our own then you can be a little bit more like, well, we'll just get together in an evening and have a bit of a jam and see what happens. And that's a lot. But I feel like the winter months are never that good for that type of thing for, for me. I think, and I don't know whether it is just because I'm so brain dead by the time it gets to, I can't I can't think. And also a lot of my, a lot of creating on my instrument, it's just playing. So it's it's a lot of improvising and seeing what comes out of improvising. Yeah. And I can't, a house isn't that big. Um, so you can't really do that um, when the kids are in bed loudly. And in the winter, in the summer, we've got we've got a conservatory on the back. So we can kind of go in there mm-hmm. and, and it's warm. But in the winter, it's absolutely freezing. Conservatories yeah. are not warm. <laughs> <Right. laughs> There's that you're like, you don't want to go in the conservatories. I can't really tinkle in the living room very much. I just end up not doing a lot, which is, which is probably a bit pathetic. But I think if, it, if you're trying to be create if, if it's your job and you've got to write stuff on tap then it's like any job isn't it you've got to get it done so you'll find find the time and the space but I think if it's for me I have to be in the right frame of mind to do it and um yeah and in the right space for it to for, for it to be enjoyable yeah absolutely yeah and, yeah and and that's the thing like if you're forcing it it's you're not your creativity is not going to come because you're just like oh I've got to do it and nothing's going to come when you put pressure on yourself like that like like you said you need the time to just fiddle about and see what comes out and yeah absolutely yeah
What's your thoughts about mum guilt? I think that I feel like we shouldn't have it, but I think so many of us do. And I think even if from people I've spoke to and friends and everything, and I think, um, and I think it's like anything. I think it's, I think it just stems because you care and you want to make the right choices. And I think for your children, and I think as mums, um, I don't know, you kind of, there's this thing, isn't there, that anything that you do for yourself, it's at the expense of doing it for your children. And that isn't, but but it isn't. But I think we have to go through that process, don't we? And it seems, well, it seems that lots of people have to, you know, go kind of through this process and find, find out how you're going to work and what you need to do and what you would class as something that makes you feel bad and something that makes you not feel bad. Mm. Um, so I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, I know I've definitely had it um, and I get it a lot. Um, and But I think it's, but I know I shouldn't have it because a lot of it is like work. It's because I've, because, you know, if you're going to go and do something for work, then you feel bad because you're like other oh, kids are being having to go and stay with this person having to go and do this person but then you need to earn a living so yeah then they can't have the quality of life that they're gonna have if um if you don't earn any money so yeah I think it's really it's really interesting um and I, I feel like now my attitude towards it has developed after like being on my third child because I know when I just had Ruby you know kind of anything feel really really bad and I wouldn't I'd be like oh no I can't do anything for myself I can't go for a run because the house is a mess and I've got to do this I've got to do the washing and everything before I do this little thing for myself and um now I'm a bit like well if I want to play my bass clarinet for 10 minutes and the house is a mess then I'm just going to do it because I only have one life and it's not fair on everyone else that I'm resentful because I don't get to do it because actually it's my choice um but it's taken you know it's taken a long time for me to kind of get to that point of that I will do that um I still haven't made it out of the house for a run yet <laughs> which I really want to do um but for that reason because because you know it's like well if I've got if I have got half an hour for me then what am I going to do with it um but if I was to have if I was to probably have longer than that and start feeling a bit like oh I probably should be doing this I probably should be doing that um yeah and you know and taking on gigs and things I know when Ruby was little we did a lot more gigging because it was the you know the other side of the pandemic so things were actually booked in um and I didn't feel bad about that because I didn't everything was booked before I had her and I didn't know and I think I just struggled leaving her um but I think when there are but as I don't know I think you know like once you've gone through it you know they're going to be fine as well you know yeah. when it's always worse thinking the oh what what's it going to be like whereas you know it is always okay so mm. yeah yeah with that benefit of experience then you know that your your next two children it's actually going to be fine <laughs> yeah and they will be fine yeah but it is hard because you know I think every mum feels guilty to some degree. I think people just have different, some people, and people feel different, like guilty about different things, don't they? And for some people, their guilt might stem from work-related stuff. For some people, it might stem from like socialising. They feel like they shouldn't go out and have a drink because, or see their friends because, you know, because the, the children have their bedtime routine. And, and yeah, I think everyone will have something that they struggle with in terms of mum guilt. Um, but yeah yeah it's finding the balance yeah um, I think that's so true because um I think it's yeah the balance of like I think you still need to do something for yourself like you you can't just be a mum all the time you actually still have to be yourself and especially you know with your husband you still have to have that relationship and it's a funny thing like when you have kids it's like I don't know there's this expectation that your whole world has to completely stop and revolve around the kids which is fair enough for for a period of time they it has to because they're so mm -hmm. little and they can't do anything but I think it's I don't know from what I'm finding talking to different mums through this it's like well there's a point when you actually go well, hang on a sec I'm still me and I, I actually want to go do stuff that I did before 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important for the, for your children to see you be you. Um, and I think them's, I mean, we notice it loads with Ruby because she, with, with coming from a very musical household, she's now like, she's so into it. And we haven't, you know, for a while, you'd be like, oh, do you want to do this? And she'd be like, no, I don't want you to show me how to do that. I do it my way. Mummy, can I have a go on your clarinet? And I'd be like, of course you can drop me to, I don't want you to show me, I just want to do it. Which is like, you know, fair enough. But now <laughs> she's at piano and she's making up her own songs and she's doing all this stuff. And she's only four. Yeah. But, but, but I think for me, I want her to see me go, you know, especially for, as, a, as a woman, that I can, I can still be an artist and I can be a performing musician and I can do this and I can still have a family and be a present mum, but be still be creative and be me because you know that's you want I don't know like that's I, I feel I feel proud I guess that I'm managing to juggle these plates because I always wanted to be be a, a musician and it you know and it's tough there's lots of tough elements about it and you know a lot of people feel that they can't balance the family and be a musician because because it you know you, you end up having to turn down so much work because of various things and I think you know if they can still see if your kids can still see you being you that's that's really good for them to know that or they could you know they can still have the life that they want to do and yeah I think it's I think it's really nice and also have an understanding that time is that their time is or that your time is split, but over things that are important, you know, and especially art, whatever your artistic discipline, that's something that you've worked at usually your whole life, or, you know, or from an age of being able to do it, yeah. you know, whether it's dance or art or whatever. And, and you've committed so many hours that just because, you know, you, you decide to take on the responsibility in whatever capacity of being a parent, you don't stop that, that doesn't stop because that's part of who you are and so I think it's important to, for your children to see that that time still happens and time still exists like I still have to practice because otherwise if I get a call to go and do a gig I can't if my lip's not in I'm not going to be able to do it so but it's not at the expense of time with them yeah it's it's just part of our daily life and routine um and so yeah I do think that that's important but I'm only kind of starting to like put that time in now, you know, it's taken me a while of not feeling bad for doing practice, even though I believe that I shouldn't feel bad for doing it and I have to do it. It's still, you know, it's still actually doing it, but um, yeah, it is good. Yeah. I love that. I love the way you describe that. Cause that's like, that's how I feel. It's like, I think it's wonderful, especially, I mean, I don't have any girls, but for my boys to say, you know, the woman, if they, if they end up with a woman that they, you know, that becomes a mother to their children, that she still does all the things that she did before she had kids, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, it, and you slot it into your life. Like you said, you, you, you practice and you, you know, it's part of what you do and your children see you do that, which is just, I love that. It is so wonderful. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, like for, for, for our kids as well, we're definitely noticing that they, they all seem to love like either whether it's performing or I think kids kids respond to what they're exposed to don't they so but as are always making up songs now even Arlo the three-year-old he's really started to get into they'll just be singing and they'll be they'll be doing that playing with these playing with these dinosaurs and he's making up songs and you think that's just because it's exposure and I'm sure it's like you know all children all children are sponges aren't they so whatever you do in your house your children will pick it up and whatever um so I think that's the thing whatever it is that you love and you want for any mum even if they're not if it's not arts if it's you know yoga or um or climbing yeah. or whatever it is that you want to do is kind of your hobby if the kids can see it that they absorb it it's something that often it can be something you end up doing together because they think oh mum, mum likes this I'm interested in it so mum or dad's doing this and that's what we've kind of found with ours whatever it is we're kind of doing that they want to do and then you end up still being able to do the thing that you love and you do it with them like my husband really loves drawing mm -hmm. and he's always drawn and he's you know he's really good at, at drawing but it's just something that he does for 
himself and he really enjoys it and so the kids and he'll sit and draw with the kids and so their art is amazing well I mean I know I'm saying it's my kids but I think that is really it's really brilliant but I'm just but it's because like since they've been able to hold a pen he sat there and drawn with them and so that's something that they all really like to do I mean, so then when I sit and if we, you know, they're drawing or whatever and I'll, I'll draw, they're just like, oh, what's that meant to be, mummy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, daddy's is better. <laughs> I'm just like, mm. oh, God. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> no, but, but, but you know, they, they do, they just pick it up so much that I think it, it is important, therefore, for them to see you doing things that you enjoy. Yeah, it just be- becomes part of life. It's like, it's not yeah. like a special thing. That it's like okay now now I'm going to do this blah, blah. it's just incorporated in your life it's just what you do yeah I love that that's that's beautiful that's so good you feel then this I like this concept of identity about um, how we view ourselves as a woman then we have children you know how do we see ourselves did you sort of how did your concept of your own identity change when you became a mum I don't know you know I don't know whether it really has Mm -hmm. if I think about it like I still feel like I'm rosy and I'm very lucky because I've got the same friends I haven't and a lot of my friends from school we all moved back to the same place so we all kind of went out to study whatever we did at university and then we've all kind of come back to the same place so I've got a lot of the same friends a few of them have also had children at the same time and all my friends from studying at college still fairly close with them and I think I've still I've been very lucky that I've been able to be facilitated to still work and so I kind of feel like I don't think I've changed does that make sense it does like I I don't feel any different I think I just I I just yeah I think I don't feel any different I have literally got more responsibilities but I think I try and um yeah it's it's yeah yeah I'm not putting words in your mouth but it's almost like because you've got this musical practice which is endemic to you and you've got the relationship with your husband who's also got the music it's like you're able just to bring the children into your world and continue with that what you had and the children have sort of they have joined into your world and you've still been able to maintain who you are without any sort of like oh I have to give this up or I have to do this now whatever I think so I think and I'm very lucky that I guess people I'm surrounded by people that have supported that um and being with with my, me and my husband both being artists you know that that has challenges you know it, because it's not like often often for other friends who are artists they're married to someone who has got a stable job and not that not all artists are stable jobs but we're freelancers so it is up and down so one of them you know so they can be they can kind of project work that they want but they know if they were good, if they're going to have a family or whatever there's going to be a stable income coming in nine to five sort of thing yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um whereas obviously with both of us we haven't got that and we've always relied on because you know very lucky very um very equal um we've always kind of both worked and both both done whatever so having a family for us and me being a mum it it we've 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 kind of thought well we're going to do it and we'll make it work around this and jamie chips in just as much as me so i I don't know. I, I, yeah, I've been able to just kind of carry on and also have things in place for the work that I do that I will take the children if I need to. So I've been very lucky that I've been able to do it. Yeah. Um, even my work that's kind of more arts admin, like I've gone and I've done, <laughs> I've done like training and I've just had the baby in the sling because I because I'm breastfeeding and and I'm going to go to work and I'm and I have to take the baby and that's just it. So. Um, yeah. And, but I've been very lucky that people have been very accepting of that because if I was maybe in a business where that wasn't acceptable, you know, and not all businesses, it isn't acceptable, you know, if you're a nurse or whatever, can't you take your baby to work? So I do feel very lucky 
that I've been able, you know, the support network around me at work as well as home has meant that I have been able to have children and still work as an artist, yeah. you know, and that, so, and I know not everybody does have that support. So I do feel very lucky. Yeah. I think sometimes it, it's what it, it's wanting to do it though, isn't it? Like, I think I, I'm, I'm quite pragmatic. So I'm like, well, I still want to do this and I want to have children. So therefore I have to, I have to make it work. And so I have to put myself in positions <laughs> that I can do it. So it, yeah, a lot of it is setting things up that I've had to do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of my work and everything I've gone out to find and projects I do the funding applications for and everything, which I have to do in my own time. There's been a lot of midnight 1am's writing funding bids yeah. for, but that means that when we've been lucky and we've been successful, it's meant I've been able to do the work I want. And because I've been project manager and I've been able to, make things work mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it is um it it's hard work to make it work but it's worth it if mm. you want to be able to make it if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah absolutely You also teach music, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I do peripatetic um, teaching. So I go around some schools, it's mainly been primary schools, and I do private teaching at home as well, which is um, some kids are mainly adults that I teach privately. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is that, that changed a lot through COVID? Did you have to do lots of stuff online? Yeah, just- yeah. So a lot of it was online, which is tough. Um I think teaching online is really tough. It, there's some really good things about it in the sense that it's actually you can fit more people in, you know, <laughs> you condense it. So and um, and you, you're not having. Yeah, you're not having to do so much traveling. Um, so that's good. And it's convenient, especially for adults, because often if you finish work and then you have to go out for your clarinet lesson, you can be a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered to go and do that you know on a dark evening and actually that that so online's worked quite a lot for them because they can slot it in mm-hmm. and for parents with the children because they're you know if you've got having to take little jimmy to x and x it, you know it's it's tiring isn't it after your work so yeah, some parents are actually quite good but but it isn't it isn't the same yeah and nothing nothing can um nothing is the same as having face-to-face lessons so that was tough during the pandemic but um everyone that I teach coped so well um and it was amazing to be able to keep it going yeah having this oh that's so good yeah So your place is called Derby. That's it. Yeah. And you're near Birmingham. Yeah, about are 40 you, minutes. Are you from the north? north, oh, north this, is what, this is one of those questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't realise this was going to be controversial. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's because if you're from the south, everything north of Birmingham is the north. Whereas <laughs> if you're from the north, then like, <laughs> then... It depends on where you, you know, yeah. if you were from Yorkshire, you would not class me as a northerner. Yeah. It'd be like, no, yeah. Midlands is Midlands, that's not north. Whereas yeah. if you were from London, you'd probably class me as a northerner. Um, so that depends on who you talk to. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, I'm just I, looking at the map, like there's still quite a lot of north north of you. There's yeah. still quite a lot going up. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think to be to be safe, I'm a Midlander. You're the Midlander, from the Midlander. <laughs> yeah indecisive i don't know where i am <laughs> just hovering around <laughs> that's funny it's like you're relative to other people telling you where you are <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it that's it <laughs> sorry i'm scrolling there uh, <laughs> it's fine. 
what sort of projects have you can you share any projects that you've got on the go stuff you've got coming up that you want to share with the listeners yes yeah so um what am I doing um so we've got I work one of the jobs that I do I work for our hospital trust as the arts coordinator one of the music coordinator and through the pandemic we did some um commissions and writing some stuff so this year we've got a we've got quite a big project coming up in the summer which is going to be uh, a reflection on the pandemic and stuff with the staff um and so we've written a song for that which we'll do with the the staff choir and it's hopefully going to be a sharing a lot of the staff wrote poems and things like that as part of like reflection for them so I'm organizing that which will be hopefully really beautiful and really reflective and really nice um and then threaded wise we've got um I'm at the moment putting together some stuff for some summer festivals and we're working with um a, the university in Nottingham as well to develop some tech which will support um the access so that that's a bit of a kind of experiment as to what they are developing and we will try we'll pilot it at some festivals and see see how it works and if it works um so we're going to be doing that in the summer as well and that's ongoing and yeah some collective performances and we're going to try we're going to we're getting back on with some threaded stuff this year as well so we've got some dates in the diary with nings and we're going to write some new music um yeah which i'm really looking forward to um and then yeah we've got the red tree which is the the music i've written for the theater company that's being live streamed on sunday the 20th I think it's Sunday the 29th of January um, at Wolverhampton Theatre. So, I mean, if it's live streamed, I imagine that anybody could get one. Even if you're in Australia, you could watch it, I imagine, if it's live streamed. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that that story, The Red Tree, I think it's aimed at children six upwards. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's about a little girl who she wakes up in a room and she's got nothing to look forward to. And each book, each picture of the book is a different kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And it's about anxiety and depression, really, I think, the book. But then at the end, it's all hopeful. So they've been doing a lot of work um, and some of it's, it's going to be live streamed into schools during the week. But um, so anyone with children, that, especially after the pandemic, that has that type of, you know, children, because children have experienced a lot of isolation and anxiety more than I think. I know I know that happens anyway, but I think just so it's just such a big thing at the moment. I think they thought it was going to be a really great book because it might help children reflect on their feelings a little bit. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that might be a good one to check out if anyone wants to watch some live stream theatre. Yeah. Um with some, yeah. Um and then yeah, and then I think at the, and then apart from that, I'm just gonna try and get some more gigs in. But I I'm being honest because I'm I, I'm on maternity leave. So I'm on I maternity love how you're putting it in here, <laughs> Yeah, this is the real thing, but um but I, I have just, um, after Louie and Ruby started school in September, so that juggle, I've got on with some stuff, but um, I'm, I need to get back on that. And then I'm also starting my baby music classes back at the start of next month as well, because I do a little group called TD Tempos, and it's really lovely. Um, and so, because I've got a Luna, I can take him and I'll do that, because that's it's really nice. And it's really good now, because I've got the children and I've seen them go through that because I did I did it with the others it's like it actually is amazing <laughs> I know I know music is amazing for children's development but I've seen firsthand that now like seeing it go from naught to five I'm like oh because I did all this stuff like Rubes is like her ear and Arlo's musical ear just at the piano she just work like just works out tunes and just like that's just because of exposure you know and you don't have to come from a musical household for your children to be able to do that I think all children can do it it's just exposure. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So how, how long have you been doing your, is it teeny tempo, tiny tempo? Yeah, teeny tempos. So teeny we started tempo. when, yeah, we started it when Arlo was little. Um, so when was that? 20, I think I started it in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a bit of it before the pandemic. And then, then we did it, we moved it online for a term. But it was one of those things, it was just tough to do online. And then I could have gone back and started it face-to-face, but because of the, a lot of the restrictions and the um, and just the risk assessments and all the cleaning and everything, I was just a bit overwhelmed. I was like, oh, you know, I'd be really stressed about having to disinfect everything. Because I had to do that in teach- with teaching in schools, but it's kind of, with older kids, you can disinfect the stands, you can disinfect everything they've touched. But with babies and children and putting things in their mouths and 
using the right cleaners. And I was like, ah, this is just too much. So I thought I'll just wait until things have calmed down a little bit um, and find a way to make that work. So we're starting the, the face-to-face stuff, but that's really, really nice. And it's nice to help other parents use music as a way to communicate with their babies and be confident to do it as well, because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, so many people, and I bet you find this being a vocalist as well, that we can all sing. I know we have different levels uh, of, as my dad always says, Rosie likes to sing. <laughs> Definitely doesn't mean that I can, but I do love it. <laughs> I think, but I think what's really, what everybody can and babies don't care about how whether or not you're any good they just love that sound and the connection so and sometimes it's just finding it's just knowing what to do and how to do it um give mums and dads the confidence or grandparents or whoever it is the confidence to communicate with your baby through music and song because it it just enhances their development so much and you know into even intonations between words there's specific things that they could they latch on to and tones of voice for positive and negative and things like that which once you know it, it it it's really nice for you to be able to use that and communicate with your baby but a lot of it is confidence and parents not having the confidence to sing or not ha- not even knowing the nursery rhymes because it's mm. been such a long time Yep. you know because you did it as a child and if you don't have any other children in your family you know if you've not got siblings that have children or cousins that have children you, your child could be the first one for a long time and you're just like I have no idea what any of these baby songs are yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah um yeah so that's really nice yeah um I work in childcare. that's my day job oh, um and I, I mainly work with what are they probably 18 months to th- two and a half maybe nearly three-year-olds um yeah the thing I find like I don't care I mean I've been doing that job for nine years now and I'll I'll and I don't sing properly when I'm at work I just you know how you've got that proper singing voice and then you've got your this this when you sing happy birthday to someone in a group you just sing you don't do your proper singing voice you know what I mean yeah but I just I just crap on sing the silly songs and I think a lot of stuff for parents I just get so embarrassed because they think you've got to be able to sing properly to yeah. sing and it's like your kids just want to hear you sing like they don't they're not going to judge you and they're not they just and and you're right it's like the rhythms and like almost like you know when you read a really good book with the like the poetry the way the like the rhythm of the words coming out like it just expanding on that and singing something or you know just I don't know like it's just this this expansion of language and it, the kids love it so much especially if you can throw in some actions that's always good um yeah. yeah I think I think parents just get embarrassed because they think oh I can't do this and who's watching me and yeah. you know it's yeah it's like just do it <laughs> oh it's easy for me to say yeah enjoy the process the end result doesn't matter yeah and your kids just love it they just they want to hear it yeah thank you you so much for being on the show it's been a pleasure chatting to you rosie it's been lovely oh thank you so much for having me alison it's been lovely it's really nice Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.